first Sunday of the season of Lent. If you were here Wednesday night, we come here by way of ashes imposed upon our foreheads, reminding us of our mortality and finitude, as if we need that, but we do. But also reminding us by the power of God's unyielding love that all of the dross of our sins will be burned away through the love of God in Jesus Christ. This Lenten season offers us 40 days, symbolically, 42 literally, not counting Sundays, an opportunity to spend a little time in the wilderness which is where we find God in this morning's, excuse me, well, God, sure, Jesus in this morning's passage. From Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him, And said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple Saying, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written in the scriptures, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It is also written, Jesus answered, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O God, come and attend to us as we discern your way and your will during this season of Lent. Amen. Last week was Transfiguration Sunday, Jesus on top of the mountain. He's like, there he is, on top of things. Thank you, Annie, for preaching. Thank you for allowing Anita and me to go to Tennessee, Nashville, where we could finally celebrate our Christmas, belated Christmas with our family, two girls and grandchildren. Thank you for letting me come back. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
And in this morning's passage, the text comes immediately after Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist and comes up out of the water. And as he comes up, Jesus hears the word of God come to him saying, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You can't get any higher, right? Just like that, the spirit whisks him away and throws him literally into the wilderness for 40 days where he is no, not drinking or eating. He is famished and during that time he's tempted by the devil. Does that not surprise you that the spirit did that? Soaring on the clouds of God's love and presence one minute and then lost wandering and assaulted by the voices of the devil the next. It should surprise us that Jesus went through this until we remember that the way of the wilderness is the way of life. It is the, it is the way of becoming fully and truly who we are as God's children. Israel went through it Riding the high of being set free by Moses from Egypt, they spent 40 long, long years. That means, 40 means long, it's symbolic, in the wilderness. During that time, they whined and they complained and they griped. Moses tried to lead them. He needed 70 elders to help him. They, they, they wished they were back in Egypt because at least they had leeks and carrots. Are we ever going to get there, they wondered. In fact, that one, the first generation of those who were freed did not get there. That's how long that wilderness was. The, why would it be any different for Jesus than it is for the people of Israel? Why would it be any different for Jesus than it is for us? Because it doesn't take much life to figure out that we end up in the wilderness from time to time. Every superhero in whatever superhero movie you watch and whatever superhero is your favorite called Batman or Spider-Man, there's a moment where you become aware of your powers and at that very moment you are most threatened by that, those powers to become more of a superhero than you are meant to be. And most of those stories are all about the hubris falling the pride falling from those superheroes as they try to serve the world with whatever powers they have. It's the wilderness that forces us to ask the question, who am I? It throws us into the hero's journey. Here I am, all of a sudden, I'm not there anymore. I'm in the wilderness. You come out of the wilderness and you're someone else, hopefully better. It's about in integrity from brokenness and humility and love. You know that wilderness place. Maybe it came our first summer camp when we were dropped off by parents or a parent or first year of college or right after graduating from college in your 20s when you were, golly, so lost, so lost, having really no idea what direction to go in. Maybe it's right after 
we've been married for a little bit and we discover it's not perfect or after a divorce or a new job or a lost job or a diagnosis or, or for some reason we're thrown into depression, maybe it's retirement. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Sometimes there might not be a name for it or why. It just is we, we find ourselves waking up one morning and, and we're in the wilderness. I have a friend recently who thought that she was prepared for her retirement and she let me know in no uncertain terms six months after that that she was not only not prepared for it, she refused to be retired and was going to find something to do with her life because she didn't like living in that liminal space, it's called. The liminal space is that transition space between going from point A to point B. All of life is liminal space. We're born and then we die. And in the middle of that, it's liminal space. It's transition space. And most of what liminal space is, is wilderness time. And in the middle of that place and time, especially when we're most frightened and lonely and lost, we start hearing voices. The Bible calls them the voices of the devil. I'm not much for a living, walking, incarnate creature called the devil. I do believe in evil, but I'm not much for a living, walking creature called the devil, but I am for the devil having a voice. And we know these voices because they always tempt us to believe that we are not enough, that we are not good enough or smart enough or strong enough or pretty enough. We're just not enough because if we were enough, we wouldn't be lost in the wilderness. You know that voice. That voice that says, since we're not enough, we're then tempted to become something other than who we are. I'm not talking about the voice of conscience. I think maybe that's the voice of God, among other voices of God. The voice of conscience that pushes us to, to do better. Not necessarily to be better, but to do better, to be more disciplined, to work harder, to, to stop pretending and lying and, and faking it. The voice of conscience is not the voice I'm talking about. I'm talking about the voice of the devil that's always telling us, you don't measure up. That's what the voice was that came to Jesus not just once, but three times. Each temptation starts with, if you are the son of God, there's the challenge. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread and you will no longer hunger. And the alluring temptation for Jesus was not that he could resolve his own deep hunger by turning those stones into bread, but by turning those stones into bread, he could resolve all of the world's hunger 
Is there any more beautiful possibility to resolve all of the world's hunger? Jesus, just turn all these stones into bread and there will be no more hunger. But Jesus knew that the devil was tempting him to be more than who he was. He was the son of God. He was not God. He was human. He was not fully, completely divine at that point. And if he gave up that humanity to become more powerfully like God, because he felt like he was not enough, Jesus knew that not only would the devil win that battle, but the world would not be any better because Jesus had enough wisdom to know that when, when things are often fixed from on high, there, there always follows unintended consequences. Devil comes to him again, having lost the first battle. Takes him to the highest temple in Jerusalem and, 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 and says, if you throw yourself down from this temple, everybody will worship you. There will be no more religious wars, no more division, none of it. Everybody will worship you because the angels of God will keep you from falling and stumbling on the stone. So just throw yourself down so that we can all come together as one, one big happy family. What's wrong with that? And Jesus says, nope, I'm not going to fall for it. The real temptation for Jesus was not that he would be held up like God, but that he would, that he would give up his, his true sense of self and Jesus as the way and the truth and the life. And also then there would be no more crucifixion. Then on the top of the hill, my biggest mountain he could find, the devil takes him there and shows him, I'll give you all of this. There will be no more nations, no more nation states. All of us will be one big utopia all coming together. It's the Faustian bargain. It's the Nazi propaganda. It's Putin. He will be the next Peter the Great, he thinks. And the bargain the devil asks for is, I will give you this. All you need to do is fall down in front of me and worship. And Jesus says, nope. Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord and serve him only. That's temptation in the wilderness. To be something other than we are. To to not believe that by being born a child of God in the image of God, we are not already enough. That's not to say that we don't do enough. I'm saying that we are enough. And in Jesus being born as the word of God made flesh, the devil was tempting him to be something other than that. There's a movement going on in our world, in, in our country too, by some of the churches who want to make Jesus this, this superhero presence. Um, strong and mighty and, and, and not like the, what they say, the, the wimpy little loving Jesus, but this huge mighty 
power Jesus that we can depend on. And, and since, since the United States is a, is a Christian country, then we should be strong and mighty and powerful like that too. Those two things go together. There's a book written called Jesus and John Wayne that makes that point. And, and I have to say that to me, that's exactly the same temptation that the devil is making to Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus is a suffering servant who gives his life, doesn't even save it for our sakes. We are in liminal space right now, politically, economically, personally, existentially. We are in liminal space. That's the time between. It's the wilderness time. In liminal space, we are most subject to the words of the devil. We're in liminal space as a church. I'm standing here because we're in liminal space. You're in a search process for your next pastor. Between Alan and whoever your next pastor will be, that's wilderness time. And what wilderness time gives us a chance to do is to do a little self-examination of who we are and who we're supposed to be and whose we are. <clears throat> and not try to be something we're not. I've seen churches and I've seen applicants flower up the, the form so bad you can't even, can't even figure out who they're talking about. <clears throat> Our church hasn't done that, by the way. There's no need just to claim who we are at St. Simon's Presbyterian Church and don't fall for that voice of temptation. Lent throws us into that place where we have to deal with it and ask the question, am I living up to it? Am I living up to my potential, my, my meanness? <coughs> Excuse me. And I think probably what Lent gives us is that opportunity. <coughs> If I can't speak, we're really in trouble. <coughs> the point of Lynn is to quiet all those voices of temptation that want to make us something that we're not and try to hold us accountable to being some mighty, perfect human being that doesn't exist. Jesus didn't fall for it. We can't either. Remember, he told Satan what to do with himself. Get away from me. The word in Hebrews tells us the same. It tells us to have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of all and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. <coughs> Get behind me, Satan. <coughs> Amen.